welcome to Mindset Meets Mastery with Arlene Gale. We're talking about the stories we tell ourselves, the mindsets, myths, and misinformation that can hold us back, and then turning our focus to action steps that bring about success mastery in business and life. The goals are to define success on our own terms and to master that success without excuses or apologies. Well, hello, 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 everybody. Um, look at me. I'm, I'm inside out. I'm, I'm a little bit um, <clears throat> uh, a mess right now, evidently. There. I guess my mother wasn't here to address me this morning. Um, anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> Let's take two. Um, this is Arlene Gale. I am so happy to be here with you today and to start 2021 with you. Um, it's been a little bit of a bumpy, rough start, but you know what? Hey, that's done. That's over. We're moving on. So I want to start first by um, thanking all my my people, my listeners, people who've engaged with me and have listened to the podcast. I'm getting more and more listeners all over the world. And so I just want to let you know that that matters to me. That's important. You're important. Um, you can reach out to me and send me an email at Arlene, A-R-L-E-N-E, at Arlene Gale, A-R-L-E-N-E-G-A-L-E dot com. If you want to propose a show topic or if you have some questions or if you or anybody you know is wanting to be a guest to talk about mindsets in their business and how do you help your clients get over those mindsets and master um master success in whichever way or in whatever meaning that has for them. So again, if you want to be a guest or know someone who would be a great guest, please drop me an email, arlene at arlenegale.com. So, and thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of my world and my program. So let's get started. Let's talk about changing mindsets, mindsets related to making resolutions, to setting goals, changing habits, and yes, of course, because this is what I do, writing your book. Um, you knew I had to squeeze that in there somewhere, didn't you? So, you know, it's the end of January 2021, and a lot of people have made resolutions, and they're looking back at the first month and going, hmm, did that work or not work? What worked? What didn't work? Um, was that a pipe dream? Or, oh, my God, that didn't work. Oh, my God, I need to do something different. Whatever it is, that's what we're talking about today. Because, you know, um, around a new year or with a milestone birthday, you know, when I turned 50, it was like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do now? Um, so anyway, a milestone birthday, a work anniversary or another special day or time frame we tend to make resolutions. We tend to reflect on our lives, <laughs> reflect on our successes. Um, even the opposite of that is to think about the setbacks that we've experienced um, and then maybe want to make new goals from there. So it's really important at those parts of our lives that we really do give resolutions goal setting or changing habits, a serious amount of time to plan out what's next for us in our lives. What are our next best steps? You know, I say that because 
you know, sometimes we get overwhelmed in trying to figure out what is the meaning of life and what do we do next instead of just thinking about what is the next best step, you know, because we can't get from A to Z until we figure out what um, LMNOP and everything in between means, right? So it's what is the next best step often is where we need to, to land or to move forward from there. But today I'm focusing Mindset Meets Mastery episode on several things. First, talking about making resolutions. Because in my opinion, resolutions is often setting us up for failure. And I know that a lot of people are going to go, what? What do you mean by that? Well, let me tell you. (laughs) When we make a resolution, we are just saying, please, please, please make this happen, or I really, really want this really bad. We're not really putting action steps. We're not putting a plan with those resolutions. Now, maybe you're different than I am, but in most cases, or like different than most people, but in most cases, a resolution doesn't really doesn't really get us anywhere because it's not followed with action steps that get us to that goal, right? So resolutions without goals or action steps are what I call illusions. <laughs> they're, they're dreams. <clears throat> and you know what? <laughs> that reminds me of one of my biggest pet, pet peeves. So tell me, have you ever had somebody say to you, oh, dream big, dream big. The whole world is yours if you just dream big. Uh, yes, Have you ever heard that? I know I've heard it a lot. And when I was younger and I heard it, I thought, oh, that's great. I have lots of dreams. And then as I moved forward in life, I thought, well, why are those dreams not coming true? Why are they not happening? Well, because when most people tell you dream big, this is the pet peeve part. Are you ready? (laughs) They're not telling you. They're telling you dream big as if that's all you have to do to make world the world come to you to make life happen in the best possible way for you for you to have the best possible outcomes is to dream big. <laughs> That's my response to that. Um resolutions and dreams are again illusions without goals or an action plan. They're nothing. They exist only in your imagination, only in your mind and in your heart. Resolutions are, you know, it reminds, I just got reminded. My dad used to tell me, um, want in one hand and spit in the other and see which one fills up first. I know that's rude, isn't it? That's just crude. But you really, you know, a resolution, a dream is about what you want, Okay, it doesn't necessarily mean it's what you're going to get or or it doesn't lay out any foundation for how to get there. So that's my first point is resolutions set us up for sale, failure and really are illusions without goals. The other thing I want to talk about, <laughs> um, and I'm laughing because this this is so me. Sometimes we set goals And we think, yeah, that's easy. We can do this. Come on, bring it. And then all of a sudden roadblocks pop up. Some of them we run into head first without even seeing them. And we still manage to pick ourselves up and move around them or over or through or under them. And we're okay. We're we're back on track. 
But there are other things that happen in our lives that we have no control over. (laughs) And control in and of itself is an illusion. So part of being successful in setting goals and action steps is to, excuse me, figure out what, what do you actually have control over and what do you not have control over? So, you know, true confession, um, honest, uh, Honestly, as God is my witness, I am a recovering control freak. I just am. It's part of who I am. Um, It comes from childhood when I was raised in a house full of chaos, and I tried very hard to control that chaos without much luck. And a lot of my life after that was kind of along the same lines. Um, My life became a lot easier when I decided to take the oath of a recovering control freak and – really look at what things in my life I had control over and which ones I don't. And so that brings me to um, what happened this last year that none of us saw coming and we had no control over the coronavirus, right? (laughs) So, you know, I have, I usually travel about 30 times a year, which I loved. Um, I may be getting a little old for that now, and I'm, I'm glad I've been home for a few months. It's made me realize that, yeah, maybe I do need to cut down on my travel. But you know what? That would have been my choice. That would have been something I would have controlled. But no, coronavirus popped up and took that control away from me. So all of the speaking gigs and all of the workshops all over the country or the world even that I had had booked from March to December of 2020, where all of a sudden they were just gone. Um, And I was really upset about that. And it took a lot of time for me to realize, okay, I can lose sleep over it. I can continue to be stressed. I can worry about X, Y, Z. But you know what? I have no control over any of those things. Okay. So again, I can be stressed. I can lose sleep because I have no control. Or I can figure out what are the things that I actually do have some control over. So that's kind of how I spent most of my 2020 is figuring out what are my hopes and dreams, but more important than that, what were my goals and my action steps and how do I redirect those goals and action steps to address the uncontrollable elements that were falling under the umbrella of the coronavirus. So for all of you recovering control freaks, hold on because there's something here for you too. Hopefully I'll be able to share a couple nuggets of wisdom with you. The third thing is I want to talk about making the mindset shift into reality mastery in a way that sets us up for success. Remember I said that resolution set us up for failure because we don't have action steps and goals that are associated with achieving that resolution. So I want to help set us up for success, which means that we've got to talk about creating smart goals and breaking those smart goals into little bitty steps so that we can actually achieve something, achieve something that we wanted to or that we've said we've wanted to. So think about it. Making resolutions or simply having dreams without action plans, again, is setting up ourselves for failure. You know, and and I get it. I get it because having resolutions, it's about having a deep-seated hope that something can be different. <clears throat> that com- something can be better, that 
you know, we deserve better and we're going to work hard to make things happen, to make things be better for us. I get that. But and I don't want to squash your your hopes and squash your dreams. That's not my point at all. My point is to help move you one step at a time closer to those hopes and dreams and and by creating action steps, you know, because. Hope is great and all, and it helps motivate us, and it helps inspire us. It helps propel us forward. But you know what? (laughs) Hope doesn't pay the bills. And if you figured out how to make hope pay the bills, please contact me at Arlene at ArleneGale.com because hope is like a resolution or a dream. It's, It's just one step in the process. Our ability to take action, to execute a plan to go from here to there, that's what propels us forward. That's what sets us up for success. I mean, and don't get me wrong, I've learned a lot of the things I'm sharing with you today. I've gained the insight I'm sharing today the hard way in most cases. And the rest of the things I'm sharing, I've learned through studying, through reading, through listening to others, and in working with my clients. I'm not perfect. I know. Let's just get that out there. It's hard to spit out sometimes. I'm not perfect, but I've never claimed to be perfect either. And, you know, if you want verification of that fact, let me know. (laughs) Send me an email and I'll give you the phone numbers for my teenage sons and they will verify the fact that I am not perfect. Um, But luckily, I can still laugh about it. Most of the days I can still laugh about it. So today we're talking about stopping the insanity. No more resolutions. We are going from resolutions to actions because that's what's going to make life happen the way we want it to happen. No more resolutions because setting resolutions year after year after year after year over and over and over and over and over and over and over over again is – it's really the definition of insanity, isn't it? Haven't you heard that? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is really the definition of, of insanity, right? You've heard that, right? So another point of clarification is the problem is not so much in the resolution itself, but it's the lack of action It's the lack of planning to make action to make that resolution happen, to make those dreams come true. So let me define a couple terms here. Resolution is saying you want something to happen. It's like making a wish, wishing on a star, putting a penny in a wishing well. That's a resolution. Goal setting means this is what I want out here, and I'm still here, and I'm going to – I'm going to create an action plan that breaks the getting from here to there into small steps until I reach my goal. Now, does that mean it's always going to be smooth sailing from here to there? Well, absolutely not. Um, There's going to be times when, when life happens. Something's going to happen that's going to derail you temporarily, or maybe it's going to derail you so that you have to focus on a different goal. And that's okay. Um, That's the... Darn the humanity element of of living and setting goals and trying to achieve them. So let's dive in and talk about setting SMART goals. And it's absolutely true that we need to be smart about goal setting and in the action steps we take. So let's let me explain a little bit what this means. And this acronym of SMART has been something that really has – 
kept me honest <laughs> when it comes to achieving some of the things that I've achieved in my life. Things that people look at me and go, well, how did you do that? Well, one step at a time, one action step at a time. At a time. That's the answer. So get a piece of paper and a pencil and take some notes because I think that there's some wisdom here that will help change your perspective, maybe pump it up a notch or two and help you to figure out why the resolutions you're setting aren't being achieved. So let's talk about SMART, right? It's an acronym. It means the S is for specific, the M is for measurable, the A is for achievable, the R is for relevant, and the T is time-based, okay? Specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-based. So let's let's start at the beginning with specific, the, the first S, the first letter in SMART. Specific means to consider the what, why, who, when, and where of the goal. It's being specific is about knowing really what you want to achieve, okay, what you want to achieve, being very specific about that because a word can mean different things to different people. Let me give you an example. A specific goal can mean, can have a variety of elements, Let's talk about some people set a resolution about having better health. Well, that's great. Better health. That sounds like a good idea, right? Who doesn't want better health? I want better health. Everybody wants better health. But what does that mean exactly? So your resolution would be, I want to have better health. Okay. So what is the goal and how do you get there? So do you mean you want to exercise more? Is that what you mean by better health? You want to eat better? You want lower stress? Maybe you want more sleep and better sleep? Maybe you want to do some more focusing on self-care? All of those, any and all of those could be related to setting a resolution of better health, right? Which one is it for you? Which two of of them are they for you? So specific, for example, could be you want less stress, okay? So You sit down and figure out what's creating you stress now and how do you either remove them or learn to better handle that stress in order to achieve the goal of better stress or lower stress, um, better health. Let's, let's, Let's look at another example. This year, I want to get a new job, okay? How many of you have said that or thought that? every year for the past two or three years because I understand that when you get in a job and you have a spouse and you have potentially children you're taking care of or older parents you're taking care of or let's say um, you've just gotten comfortable and it scares the bejeebas out of you (laughs) to do something different but you're very unhappy with where you are so so now what so your resolution is I'm going to get a new job Okay, great. What does that mean? Specifically, what does that mean? Does it mean that you want a a new job in the same industry or a different industry? Does that mean maybe you want to move to a different geographic location? Maybe you're in a place right now that has got two feet of snow and it's, you know, 10 degrees outside and you're kind of tired of that. You want to go someplace a little maybe sunnier, drier, (laughs) you know, what is the different location you want to go to? Maybe you're working part-time and you want to go full-time or you're working full-time and you want to work part-time. So is the goal for getting a new job to work less hours or more hours? 
Do you need to learn a new skill in order to advance or change jobs? Because if you do, what what does that mean? So your resolution is get a new job, okay? The goal is I want this job. The action steps are I need to get this certification or this training or do this or do that. I need to write a resume, (laughs) for goodness sakes, sakes, to be able to get a different job. So that's what it means to be specific. There's another part of being specific that I want to talk about because a lot of people don't really consider it. When you're setting a goal, remember I talked about being specific addresses the who, what, where, when, how? So the who part is part of being specific when you're setting a goal that a lot of people just, they don't think about. And I, I don't quite understand that, um, but maybe it's just the, the I'm a social critter, so this one comes easily to me. Um, so in your, in your resolution or in your goal, who else is involved? Who do you need to get buy-in from? Is it a spouse, a child, a coworker? Think of it this way. With your specific goal, who is necessary to identify to be involved in the success of your goal? It's important to get their buy-in. So who is that person? So let's say, for an, for example, that this year you want to plan a big vacation. Ooh, or maybe you're getting married and you want to plan a honeymoon. Ooh, that sounds like fun, right? Okay, well, if you're planning a big vacation and you have a spouse, don't you, don't you think you might? I mean, at least in my relationship, I think I'd like to be, you know, consulted if my spouse wanted to, to plan a vacation um, or a honeymoon. Don't you think that your significant other would maybe want to be involved in that? Because I can tell you that, again, looking again at my relationship, he might want to go to the beach and go scuba scuba diving. You know, that sounds that sounds great to him. <laughs> I'm okay with beaches. I'd go sit on the beach. I'd be fine sitting on the beach. But there is no way you're getting me into the water scuba diving because you know what? I do not want to be shark bait. <laughs> I just don't. And I know maybe I watch too much Shark Week and it's an irrational fear for some of you to, to you know, but for me, it's scuba diving is just not something I really want to do. So if my spouse is really dead set on going to the beach and going scuba diving, I'll meet him on the beach, but I'm not going to scuba diving with him. I'm just not. So maybe that's the compromise is he scuba dives and I don't. I sit on the beach enjoying the sun and and whatever. (laughs) Um, But another part of the buy-in for taking a vacation or honeymoon, maybe, maybe we want to go to a different country. What do we want to do and how do we want to do it? We've done a lot of traveling, so and we have a couple of boys. And so there have been times that we've planned a trip for a week or so, and I'll plan a day and he'll plan a day. And that way we each kind of get something that we want. We create a win-win scenario. And as our boys got older and we traveled, we would talk to them about where we were going, help them be part of the planning, and they would get to pick some of the things that they wanted to do too. So the who of being specific is very important to get their buy-in, personally and professionally. So let's say you're you're talking about professionally. Um, are you planning, are you updating your business plan because if you are, that may be involving your partner or other managers in the business or CEOs or v, v, vice presidents. 
they they are part of the who. What, are you updating your annual, annual budget? Um, that may involve another person or two in the planning to get their buy-in because they may see things at a different in a in a different way from a different perspective than you you do. Let's say you have a plan to grow sales or grow your client base. How much? Maybe you need to consult somebody about the how much and get their buy-in to help you to achieve that goal, to help you take um, create the action steps, again, to get from here to there. So that's what I mean when I say the who of being specific. Think about who is being impacted by the goal you're setting and the action steps you're taking and how do you involve them in the process so that um, your your goal becomes more achievable and a lot more fun to do too. So let's talk about the next letter, measurable. So a goal without a measurable outcome makes it so it's hard for you to hold yourself accountable. So let's say you want to go on a vacation, but you don't ever say, I want to do it this summer. I want to do it next winter. How do you know if you're ever getting any closer to making that happen? Let's say in a professional environment, you've decided that you wanted to grow your sales by X percentage. Do you mean in the first quarter, by the end of the second quarter? I mean, what, is, what does that mean? Because you want to be able to, imp, to define that so that you can have measurable outcomes. Let's kind of take this to a, a, silly, a silly example. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a girl, so it may not be silly to you. To, it's sillier to me than it might be to you. So let's say a football team's goal is to make the Super Bowl. So is, is there a point – for two teams to play in the Super Bowl if there's no measurable outcome so that we don't ever know who won or lost the game? Or maybe the measurable outcome is, yay, we made the Super Bowl and we don't care if we won or lost. So defining something that's measurable that says you've, you've succeeded in achieving that goal, where is it along the line? Because if your goal is to make the Super Bowl and you do that and you lose, then you've achieved your goal, right? And maybe a, maybe making it to the Super Bowl was a huge goal for you. So you, you decide that's your goal, and now you're going to create figure out what do you need to achieve that goal. Do you create a, a plan for recruiting? Do you, you increase traffic or, or practice, change the quality of practice? You know, what do you do to achieve that goal? And let's also say that you decided you wanted your team to make the Super Bowl this year, but you only make it to, I don't know, the second round of the playoffs. Is that failure? Do you measure, figure out how you're going to measure success if that's your goal, right? What is the measurable outcome? Well, if your goal was to make the Super Bowl and you only made it to the second round of the playoffs, then somebody might say that, yeah, that was failure. Hmm, really? Maybe you could look at it as, well, we didn't make the playoffs at all last year. So getting to the second round, and we did that for the first time in five or six or seven years. Okay, so that was a success, but we only took it this far instead of this far. So what are we going to do? How are we going to fine-tune it so next year we can make it to the the Super Bowl? So being measurable means you're setting a timeline, 
You know, is this goal going to be achievable in three months or six months or a year or five years? Is it short term or long term? And measurable means that you're not just going to say, okay, I'm going to go from here to here in six months. And then you start doing things and moving through life. And six months later, you look up and you go, huh, I remembered I wanted to do this, but I don't know where I am in achieving that goal because I'm just stuck. I don't know what happened. You can't wait till the last minute. So if it's a short-term goal of, say, six months, you probably want to reassess maybe every couple weeks and make sure that you're still focused on moving in a positive direction. If it's a five-year goal, you don't want to wait until year four to figure out, okay, did I stay on target? Because at that point, if you didn't, you've been derailed, and it's a whole lot harder to get back on track to achieve that goal in the time frame you've already already set. If you had checked at say the one year mark and you realized, okay, well, this isn't working for me, so I need to do this instead, or I need to really focus on this, then at that one year mark, you could have made some fine tune adjustments so that in five years, you could have met that goal. So again, figure out what your goal is, be smart about it, and make sure that it's measurable. Um, Make adjustments. There's no shame in making adjustments because uh, making adjustments just mean that you're means that you're paying attention and you're more aware of the direction you're going and how to make changes if necessary. So the next letter in SMART is achievable. So how do you set a goal that's achievable? Let me give you an example um, of a couple things that have happened to me recently. I had a cookie recipe that was handed down for generations. I absolutely love that cookie recipe, and I finally got it from one of my cousins. I wanted to duplicate that recipe. I looked at the recipe. I got all of the ingredients. I was so excited. We had everything laid out. My boys were helping me make these cookies. I had all the right measuring tools and everything. And we got to the end, and it's like... What temperature do we cook these cookies on? Um, how much time do we do we cook these cookies for? So we had a great plan, but we weren't sure if it was achievable because we didn't we missed these two things in the recipe. So at first try, in a case like this, I figure we're either going to have raw cookies or we're going to have burned cookies. I don't know which it's going to be, but the first try might not have been very positive because we didn't have all the information we needed. So what do you need to make your goal achievable? And double checking to make sure you have the tools and the technology and everything you need to make it achievable. Make sure the directions are clear. Make sure the directions are accurate. For example, um, during these holidays, I found a great crock pot bread pudding recipe. I tried out the recipe and we loved it. My whole family loved it. And my oldest son decided that he wanted the recipe because he wanted to take it to another place, you know, later that week. So I sat down and I typed the recipe out. But in the recipe, I put that instead of one teaspoon of baking soda, I put in a tablespoon of baking soda. Yeah, it wasn't good. (laughs) It was not good. And of course, he was in a hurry to put everything together. So he didn't really notice that, hmm, a tablespoon of baking soda or baking powder seems excessive. So maybe I should question that. No, he was, you know, what he was trying to do was not achievable because he had bad information. 
So you need to understand what is it that needs to you need to have to make your goal achievable. So the next thing is and and make a list of those things. Again, is it technology? Is it a virtual assistant? Do you need help? Are you having trouble with getting payroll met? Hire someone to do that. Are you having trouble with technology? Whatever it is that you feel like you need, whatever tools or systems or processes um, or information that you need to make your goal achievable. The next step in the process is relevant. Is this goal relevant to you? Is it relevant now? And when you set step back in to check where you are, is that goal still relevant in your life? So let's think, for example, all of the traveling that I had planned and maybe you had planned, all the business meetings and conferences that you had planned from March to December because um, was completely changed because of COVID. So when you're looking at your long-term goals or your short-term goals, how has other things how have other things impacted you so that goal is or is not still relevant? Let's say, for example, you just got married. And surprise, we're pregnant, honey. Yeah, so now you're getting ready to have a newborn in the house. So maybe when your spouse is, what, seven months pregnant, that's not the best time to be getting on a plane and going to Europe (laughs) and, you know, bike riding around Europe. You know, that just, you know, that, that goal may not still be relevant for you at this point. It doesn't mean that you can't keep it on the, on the plan you just have to move it so that it becomes relevant again later in a year or five or 10, whatever. So maybe life has happened in the way that you've had some health issues that um, prohibit, prohibit you from achieving that goal right now. Maybe the technology has changed and, or the certification process for your expertise has changed and you need to figure out how to make that goal of getting those things done relevant again in order for them to be something that you even want to continue to go after. So it's important to reassess the relevance of your goal based on the changes in your professional and personal relationships. You know, the things when when life happens, how do you apply those happenings to your action plan and to the goals that you want to achieve? Maybe, again, some goals come off and some goals um, go on. So make sure you have the tools you need to make sure that your goals are relevant. And finally, the, the last letter in SMART is time-based. So is it a short-term goal that can be completed in two or three months? Or is it a two-year goal that needs, you know, different different milestones for checking in, but the whole point on making sure your goal is time-based is so you can hold yourself accountable or you can get someone else to help you hold yourself accountable to those action steps or those goals. So time-based is is really important to keep you on track. It's it's one foot in reality and one foot in <laughs> in dreams. Um, and bringing those feet together so that you can make things happen within a certain amount of time. And I think that really for creating the best goals and then action steps is to have a combination of short-term and long-term 
goals. I think it's important, too, to have goals that you spell out and you're very concrete about, very smart about in both your personal and professional relationships. You don't want to spend all your time planning for personal stuff, and then all of a sudden you look and you're six months through the year, and it's like, oh, my goodness, I haven't done anything to be with my family or spend time with my friends. No, so make sure you consider the personal and professional aspects of goal setting and action steps. Another element that I know a lot of people that is important to them is to look at um, spirituality, too. There's no reason why you can't set goals around your spiritual life, goals with action steps. Maybe you want to – and I guess it also depends on how you define spiritual because spiritual does not mean you get up and you go to church every Sunday morning and that's it. Spiritual doesn't necessarily just mean you read more of the Bible. There's nothing wrong with either one of those things. But maybe spiritual also means you just take time to go sit outside and enjoy the view. Maybe spiritual means doing something to deepen your relationships with other people, with other people in your family, as well as with you know your higher power. So those three areas, I think, are real key for setting smart goals, personal, professional, and spiritual. Spiritual also, I think, means taking care of yourself. So what do you do to take care of yourself? That's, that's an important question. You know, when we talk about, you know, who else is involved in creating your action plans, you know, take, have a meeting with yourself and figure out what do you need and how do you need to get to what you need. Another hint I want to just kind of throw out there is when you're making smart goals and smart action steps, there are some pitfalls. I mean, life happens again. So another thing to think about when you're setting these goals is what are some of the stumbling blocks? I alluded to that a minute ago. What are some of the potholes that are going to you're going to find yourself falling into or looking into that will make you have to focus in a different direction. Is it, for example, let's see, what's a good example? A pothole could be, I need to save money to make this happen. Okay, well, so how much do you need? How are you going to save it? Maybe a pothole is going to be, you know, I really want to take three weeks off to go take this short course. How are you going to do that? How are you going to save enough time? Um, Is it a matter of saving vacation time or could you go talk to your boss and see if the boss will approve that time off so you don't have to dip into your vacations time? So there are pitfalls. Pitfalls could, again, also be, you know, who else is involved in what you want to do and are they going to buy in or not? So what are the things that you're going to face that potentially can get in your way? That's basically what I'm talking about. What are the things that can get in your way so that when you are conscious of it and you see it, it becomes less scary and it becomes easier to think about how you're going to handle it when you are looking into that deep hole going, ah, now what? Right? So setting smart goals is so much smarter than just making resolutions. Resolutions and dreams are the first step to making things happen. Okay, so let's kind of put all of this together and and put together an example. How about that? Um, do you wanna do you wanna buy a house? Do you wanna buy a car? Do you wanna take a dream vacation? Um, 
do you want to get healthier? Let's say you, you know, used to run track when you were in high school, not me, but you might have, (laughs) um, or you might have, you know, done sports and you haven't done that in a while. And that's something you want to do. Do again, start again. Maybe you want to start being healthier and that means being extra, you know, beginning to exercise. So how do you apply the smart model? And, you know, what is your goal is to X, Y, Z. How do you get there? Because let's say, for example, you want to start walking a mile five times a week, five miles a day, five, five times a week, or one mile a day, five times a week, whatever your goal is, and you don't own any tennis shoes. Hmm. Yeah, it's hard to do that many miles or a whole lot of any walk in, in high heel shoes. So what's the first step to making that goal? Uh, might be going out to getting yourself some good, comfortable walking shoes, right? Um, maybe you want to eat healthier. Well, uh, that might mean going into your pantry and getting rid of all the packages of peanut-covered M&Ms and Girl Scout cookies and Fritos and Cheetos and I mean, don't ask me how I know, but there you go. Anyway, so what is the goal and how do you get there? And being realistic, we talked about setting goals for getting a new job. What if you decide that you want to go into a different industry? Okay, Um, you want to become a dental hygienist or you want to own your own business what are, I don't know where that dental hygienist thing came from. It just came. But anyway, whatever it is, you want to do something different. Or maybe you have a lot of great experience here and you want to take it from the corporate world into creating your own business. What are the smart steps for doing that, right? How do you, how are you specific? You know, you want to go from here to here, but what does here mean? What does it look like specific? Do you need training for that? What is the timeline for realistically making that happen? Because you want to make sure that it's measurable. Is it achievable? For example, if you're not good at math, you probably don't want to choose being a CPA, right? I mean, I'm not good at math. I'm not going to be a CPA. I'm not going to be a tax accountant. Um, I'm not good with blood and guts and bodily fluids. So I'm not going to be a coroner. I'm not going to be a dentist. I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm just not. So those things will never be achievable for me because of my, my expertise, my interests. Um, and so they're not relevant either. What is relevant? And then what is it? And is it time bound? Because if you're going to have to get a certification and they don't offer that certifying class or test for six months, then you can't say, I'm going to do this in three months, right? Or you need a college degree or something that's going to take you two years. You, you know, it's not wise to put down as a goal for six months or a year. But that doesn't mean that you can't have this two-year goal here and figure out what are the steps between here and there because those are the action steps that help you achieve the goal, right? So it's really important to make sure to follow the SMART system so that you can get to the next step in life, get to the next place that you want to be. And it doesn't matter, you know, I, I... I had some pretty big examples in here, like going on a world vacation. You know, I can think about going on a cruise or getting a a job that requires, you know, two years of training. You know, it doesn't have to be that big. Um, it is what it is for you. That's That's the key thing is that this has to be for you. Stop making resolutions. 
unless you're going to use that resolution to set a goal and then create action steps to get there. Remember, resolutions are illusions. They don't they're not tangible, okay? Hope is not tangible. It's something that makes you feel good. It inspires you. It is the goal with the action steps that's going to help you get to where you want to be, okay? So that's kind of where I am with the difference between resolutions, habits, goals, and all of those things. Oh, that reminds me, habits. You know, some of these resolutions or goals are going to be something that require us to break some bad habits, right? Um, let's say, for example, eating junk food. <laughs> let's say smoking, um, getting off the sofa and being not being a couch potato anymore. Um, how about going to bed at a decent hour so you can actually get six or seven hours of sleep instead of two or three? We as human beings can develop bad habits. And it's important to figure out how what is the good habit it's impossible. Physics does not allow us to say, we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. And then move in a positive direction. Because if we keep saying, don't, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't, I won't, I won't, I won't. Guess what? Eventually, the things that you're telling yourself, your eyes are going to focus on. And when your eyes turn around to what you don't want or what you can't do, your whole body is going to turn around and move in that direction too. So, my experience and my words of wisdom for you is instead of focusing on what you can't do or what you don't want, um, what you have done that doesn't make you feel good about yourself, think about what you want instead. So focus on, I want this, I want this, I want this. You know, if you have to write it on sticky notes and put it on all the light fixtures or index cards on all the counters and tape it to the bathroom mirror, whatever it is, what do you want instead? Cut out the negative self-talk, the I can't, I won't, I never will. You know, any of those negatives are gone. Throw them away, right? Just throw them away, throw them out and focus on what do you want instead. Even if that means you have to sit down and write them down. I'm a writer, so I like to have things on paper so I can stay focused. So on any of these things that we've talked about, goals and action steps, I would recommend writing them down. Another way to hold yourself accountable. And don't be so hard on yourself when you try a new habit and you're a week in and you're still craving sugar <laughs> or you're still um, not up to the walking goal you want to you wanna achieve or maybe you haven't gotten into trade school yet. Whatever it is, don't be hard on yourself. Give yourself some grace because breaking a habit takes a lot of time. I've read anything from, you know, it takes two or three weeks to break a bad habit. And then after you've broken that habit and replaced it with a good habit, it may take another week or two to get that habit to really, really, really stick, to really own it. So just do it. Just one step in front of the other, one day at a time, and focus on what you do want and not what you don't want. And I talked about being a writer and so I kind of want to turn to that for just a minute because that's what I do. I'm a writer. I am Arlene Gale, the book writing business coach. And I hope that maybe on your list of things to do, one of your goals for this year is to write a book, whether it's writing your personal story or a professional story. 
Because if you've got a personal story to tell that can change the world, can give people hope, can be an example of living a better life or creating positive outcomes for other human beings, and that's your personal story because you've survived whatever, that's a great book, and there's great ways to build a business off of that personal story. I did that when I wrote my first book, Face Forward, Move Forward. You'll see it up here. It's the, whoops, up here. It's the the one with the, the sun on it. Face Forward, Move Forward is my personal story, and I wrote it in such a way that it would stand the test of time. So it's been out about five years, and for five years, I've booked speaking gigs off of that book. I've done workshops off of that book because that book was written specifically that way. That book won several international awards and national awards, and people started taking notice and started asking me to help them write their book. So that's what I do, and that's what I want to do with you. If you have a professional story, which means that you are where you are for a reason. I just told you I'm where I am for a reason. I wrote a book. It was very successful. I'd written for 30 years for other people and was very successful, finally wrote my book. Other people started paying attention and wanted me to help them write their book. And voila, the birth of the book writing business coach. That's what I do. So I really hope that if you have a personal or professional story to tell that you'll get in touch with me. Um, My website is bookwritingbusiness.com, bookwritingbusiness.com. And I would love for you to go and go to my contact page and just contact me and tell me what you'd like to do or what a little bit about your story. Schedule a free consultation so we could talk about your idea and how to work on getting that book written because I, I work one-on-one and in small groups and it's all online. Wow. Who would have thought? I mean, my business was online before it had to be online when it comes to taking care of my customers, my clients one-on-one um, or in small groups. So if you want to write your book, why not start now? If that's your goal, maybe the first action step for you is to get a hold of me. Go to my website, bookwritingbusiness.com, or send me an email, arlene at bookwritingbusiness.com, and let's set up a time to chat because I can help you figure out why do you want to write this book? How are you going to use this book? Because one of the things that I find is the biggest mistakes that writers make is they don't stop to to answer those questions. So they don't have a marketing plan. So when their book is finally written, they don't know what they're going to do with it. They don't know how it's going to help them build business. They can't sell the book and they want to know why. (laughs) Well, um, I answer all those questions up front with you or for you so that when your book is written, you don't have to answer those questions. You've got a marketing plan. And when it's written, you're ready to go off and get it sold and get hired and build your business, make money from it. That's what I do. That's what I'm an expert in. If you've already written a book, do you have any programs that you've put together as a result of that book? What are the other streams of income that you can create from the book? People miss that step. Um, Do you want to create online classes? Do you want to do video courses or, you know, person-to-person one-on-one coaching? Do you want to do group coaching? What do you want to do? Do you want to get out and be a keynote speaker? Do you want to do workshops? Do you want to have other classes? What do you want to do? And we start building those programs and putting them together and get them out in the world so that you can start bringing in some profits. So I help people write 
professional or personal stories so they are powerful and profitable. Because, you know, writing a book can be a huge credibility builder for you. (laughs) But, you know, there's two sides to every coin, right? Two sides to every coin. So if you are writing a book to build credibility and it's garbage, (laughs) You know, it's not focus. I mean, this goes beyond just grammar, spelling, and punctuation. If there's no cohesive theme in your book and somebody picks it up and they look, look at it and they don't understand who your target market is or what your point or your expertise is, then your book is going to damage your credibility too. Um, I like to, I like to say that it's kind of like going on a first date and you go sit at a table and you're looking around and you're waiting for a first date and because the picture on their profile was all made up and they were dressed nicely, you know, either in a nice shirt or a coat and tie and all of a sudden this guy comes in and you think, hmm, that vaguely looks familiar. But, you know, his hair is dirty. He's got dirt on his shirt. Maybe his, you know, his collar's not all the way out or, you know, he's cattywampus or it's just not right. And you wonder what on earth happened here? Because this guy online or when I first met him, put it together uh, a great impression. But then when we meet, this is the best he's got. Really? So now you have a decision to make. Are you going to keep going out with this person and hope it gets better? Let me tell you, it's not. <laughs> so you have, a, you have a choice to make. Are you going to continue to try and build that relationship and hope that it goes better? Or are you going to look at him and go, yeah, if this is the best, best he's got. I'm out of here. Sayonara, baby. Um, and the same thing is true with your book. When somebody picks up your book and looks at it and they don't know what on earth you were thinking <laughs> or what on earth you do. They're going to go, yeah, if this is the best they've got to give them for themselves to show for themselves, this is the best they've got for a first impression. Yeah. No, no, thank you. Why on earth would you take care of me if you're not going to take care of yourself? Right? So all of these things are important when it comes to writing your book. And this is what I'm an expert at. So think about it. When you're, creating a goal and the action steps for building your business, whether you've been in corporate America for a long time and you have tremendous amount of expertise. And so you want to leave corporate America and start your own business, or let's say you've been downsized or um, whatever the situation, you're too young to retire. So now you want to go into business for yourself. I can help you do that. You want to start your own business? Yes, we start with the branding. I do all of that as a marketing expert. That's what I do. But let's say you're on the other end of the spectrum and you've been in business for a while and now you've decided you want to grow your business, whether it's geographically or maybe you want to grow your target market or maybe you want to fine tune your target market. Marlene, what do you mean by that? Well, thank you for asking. (laughs) That's the voices in my head. Um, Let's say, for example, you're an expert in your geographic location on this topic. Let's say time management. And in that industry where you've grown up and you've presented, they know you as an expert. But you're saturating that market. So now you've got a couple choices you can do. You write a book so that you can expand your geographic location related to that specific target market. Or maybe, and or, maybe you take your expertise in time management and you apply it to different types of businesses. So you're not only expanding your geographic location, but you're expanding your target market. Let's say that 
you got a lot of content and you don't know what to do with it. And the thought of sitting down and organizing it and writing it just makes your head go and you just, you don't know where to start. That's what I do because you may have enough content for three or four books. And so how do we put that in a series? So you're creating a cohesive books, cohesive books that represent the wealth of your knowledge, whatever it is that you want to do, in writing your book or building your business or marketing your business, that's what I do. And I would love for you to set book writing as one of your goals for this year because, you know, I always get asked, how long will it take me to write my book? Well, I've had clients who've worked with me for a month or two and written a book, 250 pages book, page book. That's great. I've had other people work with me and they don't have the time and energy to put down that's so focused that it takes them six or eight months to write their book. It doesn't matter. But if you don't start, you can never finish. So the first step in achieving that goal is to get a hold of me, Arlene Gale, Arlene at bookwritingbusiness.com. Go to my website, learn a little bit more about me, um, bookwritingbusiness.com. Go to social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. On Facebook, you can like my page, Arlene Gale, Book Writing Business. I have a, a private group that's Mindset Meet Mastery. You can find it on Facebook and ask to join. And it's just a way for us to come together and support each other and build each other's businesses. So there's lots of different ways to connect and get to know me and my expertise and for me to get to know you and what your goals are. So please don't hesitate to reach out to me. So I want to leave you with this thought. <sighs> Take a deep breath because it's been a lot of information that I've, I've tossed out there. So let me leave you with this. In, until next time, be mindful of the stories that you tell yourself about what is or is not possible for you. Please, 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 please don't let anybody else dictate your story. Only you have the power to choose to master your success. It's your choice. And remember, choosing not to do anything different is still your choice. <laughs> so when you're ready to write your story, please reach out to me, Arlene Gale, on my website, bookwritingbusiness.com. for joining Mindset Meets Mastery with Arlene Gale, the expert in helping people write business building books. Join us every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time on BBS radio when we'll talk more about how mindsets help or hinder success mastery. Please visit bookwritingbusiness.com to get more information on writing your professional or personal story.